Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, How to Create Powerful Friendships, and it is part of the Power of Connections Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to I wanna stop right now and welcome our guest. We're used to doing that on Sunday morning when we meet in here in the building, but uh, I know that many of you have joined us who don't normally come to Bethany Community Church. And we've heard from many of you during the week, and um, thank you so much for joining us. We are so honored that you would come to our church. We really are. We really appreciate it. And we hope you really, really feel God's love for you during this time. And I, I just pray that we're helping you through this difficult time. Uh, you know, I thought of a verse of scripture this week that said um, where Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. And that turned out great. If you read the Bible, read the book of Genesis, you'll see the story. But uh, when it all culminated, he said to his brothers who had sold him into slavery, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I believe the same thing about the coronavirus. The, the, our adversary, the dark forces that are against us means it for evil, but God means it for good. And that's not just silver, uh, you know, uh, a, a silver lining behind the cloud kind of thing. That is really God, what God does. And I, and I watch things are, some of you are having dinner with your family daily for the first time in a long time. I'm watching people as I even drive around and when I need to go to the store, people are, are slowing down. They're walking a little slower. But now part of it's because we got to stay six feet apart, right? But I noticed, so I took a walk in my neighborhood, a neighbor passed on the other side of the street and they said, how are you doing? Stay safe. Uh, you know, some good things are really good things are happening. I, I think our, our, I think our whole country, we're just reassessing what is most important in so many ways. So, so God, it, it's, a, it's not just a cliche. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, yes, I'm not saying it's not bad. It's, it's difficult. Some bad things are happening, but some really great things are happening too. Amen? Um, let me just uh, thank you for also giving in the offering. Thank you for those of you who've supported financially uh, and because and, we, we don't just give in the offering. We don't just teach people to give because we have needs. We, we teach people to give because it's an act of worship. This is a part of my worship to God is I, I, I give out of my finances and because my finances represents my time, my talent, my treasure. And so I give to God. But thank you for giving uh, Bethany Community Church and you that are guests today, we're not asking you to give. We just, just enjoy it for free. Yeah, but you, Bethany people, thank you so much for supporting us. We've, we've had uh, many people, the tithe have come in this week through our online giving and also some checks in the mail. So thank you so much. Well, I want to get into the Word today. I'm really, really excited about this subject, the power of connection. But today we're going to specifically talk about how to create powerful friendships. Now, today's preaching may take a little more teaching tone than preaching, which just means I may not yell as much. But... Uh, I want to, I really believe God has some good stuff for us, so let's, let's get in the Word. Before we do that, though, we're doing an online, a survey for you, 
and you can, uh, you can see it, and I believe they tell me in the chat section in Facebook Live. And we're going to ask you this question. For you, what is the most important quality in a close friend? Number one, they're loyal no matter what. Number two, they're fun and entertaining. Number four, we have shared values. Number five, or number, number, uh, number three, I'm sorry, is we have shared interest. And number four is we have shared values. So I want you to answer that question. And a little bit later, I'm going to give you the results of your answer to that question. Now let's get into the Word of God about this subject of creating powerful friendships in your life. And here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 26. A righteous person is cautious in friendship because the ways of evil people can lead them to do wrong. That's a pretty cool verse, right? Let's look at Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Accept each other just as Christ accepted you. We have the great model for friendship in Christ. And we're going to get back to Jesus in a, little, a few minutes. Proverbs 18.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, I believe this is going to be an important message for two reasons. Number one, I believe it's going to be an important message because the power of connection and the power of friendship is the most powerful force in the world. And I hope to be able to make that case today, that your close relationships and your friendships and the people that are close to you is the most powerful thing in your life. The, the, the second thing is we're not very good at it. <laughs> and I base this on science, and I'll give you some data in a moment, and I base it on personal observation, that we're not great at it. First of all, let's talk about the power of it. You might have heard this term, you, Probably haven't, but you might have heard the term Rosetta effect. Rosetta, R-O-S-E-T-T-A, Rosetta. Rosetta effect is named for Rosetta, Pennsylvania. Rosetta, Pennsylvania was a town, it is still a town, back in the 1950s. People began to notice, researchers and doctors and scientists began to notice that they had almost no heart attacks. They had almost no high blood pressure. All kinds of problems and diseases were very low in, in the town of Rosetta. So in the late, like 1959, a bunch of researchers went there and they began to try to figure out what are these people doing? They found, they were all Italians, so they had a very high fat diet. They were cooking everything in lard. So it wasn't their diet it wasn't that they, that they all were out exercising. You know, that, that was the late 50s. Everybody wasn't jogging and, and going to the gym in those days. You know what they found out? They concluded in 1961, they finished a study, and they concluded it was relationships. They concluded that everybody in town was so close that anybody had to move. Other people showed up and helped them move their furniture. If they were building a new deck, all the, all the people in the neighborhood would come and help them build their deck, that they were so close. In fact... As, the, as they became more, quote, normal, and people began to move in from other places, and all those relationships began, began to be broken up, their heart, heart attack rates, their blood pressure rates went up to match the rest of the country. It's, a, it's called the Rosetta effect. 
Winston Churchill is also a pretty good example. I, I hate to say this because some of you think that I'm saying eat anything you want and don't exercise. I really believe, don't believe that. I go, you, you guys know, you can tell by looking at me, I go to the gym a lot, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I actually love going to the gym and I believe in exercise really strong and I believe in eating your vegetables and all that stuff. So I'm not, I, I, this is not a health class. I, I'm being a preacher today. Uh, but, but Winston Churchill was a guy who had terrible habits. You know, he smoked cigars all the time and he drank and and, but you know what? He had a great marriage. Winston Churchill had an awesome marriage. He and his wife were so in love. And he had all these great friends. And, and he, um, he lived to be like 92 years old. And uh, somebody asked him one day if he exercised. He said, yeah, the only time I exercise is when I, I'm a pallbearer at my friend's funerals who exercise. <laughs> so uh, that's Winston Churchill. So I'm not advising you to smoke cigars and drink a lot. Not at all. But I am telling you that establishing powerful friendships and, and really great people that you put around you and you become that great person, I'm telling you, it's more powerful than diet and exercise. But in 2020, we find ourselves in an epidemic of loneliness. 50% of Americans say, I am lonely. We've never had percentages like that. 68% of, of people in Britain say they're lonely. In fact, the um, former prime minister of, of Britain created a, created, um, the, the appointed someone, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit here, but he appointed a minister of loneliness in, in Britain because loneliness is such a problem. What has really been a, a disturbing is, is our young people, our, our millennials and generation Zers are reporting so much anxiety and loneliness. 25% of millennials in one poll say they have no acquaintances. 27% say they have no close friends. And 30% said they have no best friends. 22% of millennials surveyed report that they have zero friends. Uh, I'm, I'm just being alerted that the poll results will be in your notes. <laughs> okay, uh, forget I said that. A youth pastor recently had a thousand kids in an auditorium. He, had, he said, I want every young person who feels lonely to stand up. 80% of a crowd of young people in a youth auditorium stood up to report that they felt lonely. According to a survey by the American Psychological Association, 52.7% of students on college campuses reporting feeling hopelessness and depression. Screens and social media are being blamed for this to some degree. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems more and more that many of us are staying home on our screens, watching other people talk about what they're doing instead of what they are doing. And some of us who have been around a few years, like myself, we remember those days when we were kids. We left the house in the morning and we didn't come back till dinner. And we were, we were being with people, we were doing stuff. We weren't spending our days in front of screens. But, but let's not blame everything on the internet and screens. That's irresponsible. Let's see what we can do. You know, the Word of God 
the word of God, the book of wisdom, the book of wisdom gives us a, some, some ways that we can change this and we can turn this around. We can change our world, right? We can change the world. And, uh, and, and Jesus said greater works than he did will we do because he goes to the Father. Uh, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means that you sitting there in your living room or in your den or in your basement or wherever you're watching this and wherever you're joining us today, that means you become the person who changes the world. And I say, let's change it by starting with the subject of friendship. Let's change the world by starting with the people that are closest to us in relationships. So now here's my personal observation about friendship. As I've been watching, it, it, I watch it kind of goes like this. I've been watching, observing a lot of people. For I've been a pastor of this church for 33 years. So I've observed a lot of people. And it goes kind of, here's what I see. It goes kind of like this. A meets B. A says about B, he is such a nice guy. She is so sweet. That is such a terrific couple. <laughs> and then I see him 12 months go by. Man, he's a jerk. <laughs> she is a flake. <laughs> Those two are toxic. <laughs> Relationships aren't easy. Relationships aren't easy but they're necessary, man. So I'm going to give you three things today that I want you to do. And if you will do them, I will promise you, you will have results, good results, right? I promise you won't be neutral. Number one, be the friendship change you want to see. Be the friendship change you want to see. It's easy to sit around and want the world to change. I think it was John Mayer who gave us that terrific philosophical and theological insight that you will sit around forever waiting on the world to change, right? So we're not going to sit around and wait on the world to change. We are going to be that. Now, I know that's a cliche, but you know where that phrase came from? Well, I'll tell you in a minute. First of all, I want to give you a very interesting quote. The problem with toxic people is that everybody knows one but nobody is one. <laughs> but there's that quote that I just mentioned about given to us by Arlene Lawrence. Arlene Lawrence says this, be the change you want to see happen. Now, everybody's heard that quote. You probably didn't know who said it. But it was first discovered in a book that Arlene Lawrence wrote in 1974. Uh, she, was a, she was employed as a teacher in a high school in Brooklyn, New York. And here's what she wrote. I want you to put that quote into context because all of you have heard it and a lot of you have said it. Be the change you want to see. For seven years, she said, I served my sentence and marked off institutional time. I complained, cried, accepted hopelessness, put down the rest of the faculty for all things they didn't do and devoted all my energies to trying to change others and the system. It came on me loud and clear one day that I was the only one who could imprison or release me, that I was the only one I could do anything about changing. So I let go of my anger and negativism and made a decision to, be, to simply be loyal, loving, open, and vulnerable all the time. Her book chapter, by the way, was titled The Love Project. I want to invite you, by the way, to join The Love Project today. 
and she was the initiator and facilitator of the Love Project. And here's what she said. Here's her conclusion. The one way to start a preventive program is to be the change you want to see happen. Well, Jesus, Jesus uh, embodied that statement, didn't he? Acts chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Nobody showed us better how to be a friend than Jesus. He went about doing good. Scripture says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, here is a friend, talking about Jesus. Here is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, came to earth, an earth that was in trouble, an earth that was full of loneliness, an earth that was full of depression, and he became a friend of humanity. He went about doing good. You say, how, how can I begin to, to transform the idea of friendship, well, you start going about doing good. Now, here's a few. I'm gonna, let's break down doing good. Okay, I'm going to break that down for you. Some things that Jesus did that you can do. If you're looking for something really deep, by the way, today, and you're sitting there waiting for something that you've never heard before, you're not gonna, probably not going to hear that because it's stuff you already know. This is stuff you already know. And here, here's the first thing I'm going to tell you is start smiling instead of frowning. Start smiling instead of frowning. You know, here's, you know if you will smile, you will be cuter? No, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. Studies have shown that different areas of the brain light up when you see someone in a picture, you see them smiling. A different part of your brain lights up and you think they're better looking. In fact, Studies have shown that when a woman smiles, people feel they can trust her more than if she doesn't smile. I'm telling you, I know, you're, I know you, many of you that are watching this, many of you that are watching that you, you love Jesus, and you've got, you, you, you're into the Word, and you, you enjoy being a part of this church, and you like your families, and you're full of the Holy Spirit, and you got the joy of the Lord in your heart, but would you please notify your face? Please let your face know that you have the goodness of God inside of you. Amen? Proverbs 15.30 says, A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Now, I know you think it's the other way around. Well, if, if I could have joy in my heart, it would put a cheerful look on my face. No, the Lord says you can, you can determine a joyful heart by getting a joyful look on your face. So when this sermon's over, go to the mirror. I give you a work, homework assignment. Go to the mirror and look in the mirror and figure out how to smile. And you start doing that all day. And when you do that, the Bible teaches us that it will bring joy to your heart. A second thing that I would tell you to do is Start speaking kindly and complimentarily. Start speaking kindly and complimentarily. Man, it is one of the most important things you can do is go around pointing out that which is good. The Bible says whatsoever is good, what there, if, there's, if there's any virtue or any, or any praise, think on these things. And the Bible also says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
So if you learn to pay attention to whatever's going on in the room or another person that you meet that is positive and you begin to speak that out, the, 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 the Bible teaches that you will become a magnet of grace that will, people will be drawn to you. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 26, and I'll bet a lot of you didn't know this verse was in the Bible. It says, the Lord is pleased with friendly words. So I thought the Bible was all about deep stuff and, and fasting and praying for 40 days and memorizing chapters of scripture. Well, yeah, it's about that stuff too, but it's also, it's also about the little simple stuff that you can do just by changing your tone of voice. Do you, do, can you imagine that you might be able to transform your home, your workplace, by just changing your tone of voice? Too easy for some of you. I don't hear a lot of amens. Number three, start committing acts of kindness. Galatians 6.10 says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. I want, I, want to give you, I want to give you an illustration of this. And I, I don't want you to think I'm trying to make myself into some sort of hero because I, 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 I blow it all the time with this. But sometimes I get it right. And uh, I, let me give you an example of what the kind of things you can start to do that will make you a great friend and make you the change you want to see. A while back, uh, recently, I should say, I got a text from someone, a friend, who let me know they'd received a diagnosis that was, wasn't positive. They received a negative med a medical diagnosis. And you know, I thought about that. I texted back, but I thought about that the rest of the day, and it kept bothering me, and I felt like the Holy Spirit sitting on my shoulder saying, would you want to be alone with that diagnosis? Would, would you want to be alone with that I know when, it, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I couldn't wait to go see and sit and have breakfast with three of my best friends. That was, that was, that was I, I couldn't wait to get to that restaurant and sit with them because I wanted them to be with me in that. And so, so I the next morning, I texted this brother back and I said, listen, I got three o'clock open. Can you meet me at the office for coffee? And he said, yes. And I said, can I invite, and I mentioned another man's name, can I invite him? Because I don't know if he'd want him. You know, when you get a serious diagnosis, you don't want to tell everybody. You don't want to tell everybody in the world because people start asking you questions. People start giving you remedies and you've got to start drinking this and eating this and doing this. And people can just drive you crazy if you tell everybody you get a medical diagnosis, you know. So I wanted to be careful with that. But, you know, we did meet. I, I was going to make a 30-minute, you know, 30 minutes go on my day. Man, we, we were there for an hour and a half. And I cannot tell you, the Holy Spirit just came into that room with the three of us and ended up being such a joyful hour and a half in our lives. And it was for me, and I believe it was for, for, for the other two men as well. What was I doing? Did, 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 I, did I perform a miraculous healing? Well, I hope so. I hope so. But what I did was, more than anything else, is I was a friend. I believe it's the most important ministry that you have, is the ministry of being a friend. Well, let me give you another, another tip here while we're talking about life hacks for being a friend. Stop being bitter, angry, and resentful. 
The wisdom of Scripture tells us that we should be less interested in what has happened to us and more interested in our response to what has happened to us. And some of you, life has happened to you and it's left you bitter and angry and resentful. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 24, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, I know what you're saying. I know, I know what some of you are saying. If you were, I'm imagining you in these seats right now. And if you're in the seats, your face would be telling me, I can't just stop being angry. I can't just stop being bitter and resentful. Pastor, do you know what's happened to me? Do you know what people have done to me? Do you know what I've been through? Yes, many of you, I do know what you've been through. And I've, I've, been, I've been around you a long time, so I know. And you're saying, I just can't, I can't change. Well, well, let me ask you, what if I offered you a million dollars to quit being resentful and angry and bitter? So here, here's a million dollars cash, and if you'll quit being bitter, angry, resentful, you can take it. <laughs> I, I trapped you, didn't I? I painted you in the corner because every one of you know you can stop being bitter, angry, and resentful because I gave you something you valued. Something you valued more than being bitter, angry, and resentful. Well, you know what? I don't have a million dollars cash, <laughs> and I wouldn't give it to you if I had it. But let me tell you something. If you will obey God and you'll forgive your enemies and forgive those who've abused you and hurt you, the, here, here's the truth. God will give you money. Somebody just clicked it off. He's a prosperity preacher. No, don't click me off. God will give you money or that which money cannot buy. There is a pile of gold in the, in, in the power of God waiting for you if you'll stop being an angry, bitter, resentful person. Amen? So somebody say amen out there. You see, Jim Rome said it years ago. He says, the walls we build around us to keep out our sadness, keep out our joy. I love a greeting that they use in the Zulu tribe. The Zulu tribe has this greeting it's, it's, it's pronounced sawabuno. Sawabuno. Sawabuno means we see you. So instead of saying hello, they say we see you. Now, it's very important that they, for them, as I heard a, a tribal leader explain, they use the word we. They don't just say I see you. They say we see you because in their minds, they represent the whole community. In their minds, they represent all the ancestors that have gone on before. Think about that. That when you come into another person's life and you act like a friend, the whole community of, of love and faith that you're connected with goes into that room with you. And the Bible says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses talking about believers and people of faith that have died thousands and thousands of years ago who are with God now. So when I say I see you, when I say we see you, Apostle Paul is seeing you, Moses is seeing you, Abraham is seeing you, Daniel is seeing you, Jesus is seeing you. That's how powerful, you know, and you know what the, the response to Sabono is? The response is Gekona, and Gekona means I am here. I love that. 
That's what friendship is. Friendship is saying, I see you. You're not invisible to me. I see what you're going through. I see what's happening in your life. And you enter that circle and say, I'm here for you to see me. You know the word intimacy broken down is into me see. Intimacy. So, the final thing, and I won't spend any time on this, is work harder at being interested than being interesting. Well, I've, I've had that many times when I would go into a social situation and I wanted to be so interesting. And sometimes, you ever go to a social situation and you just feel like, I have nothing interesting to say. I just feel boring today. Well, you're, you and I are really wrong when we think us being interesting is what everybody wants. No, everybody wants someone to be interested in them. And I could tell you several illustrations, I won't take the time today, of, of, of really important, successful people that I've met. And you know what I've noticed about them? They want to know all about me. And you know what I walk away saying? That is a really smart guy. <laughs> that guy is a, or that gal is really interesting because they're interested in me. I, I, it's, one of the, it's one of the things, if you'll begin to think more about what questions you're going to ask rather than what you're going to say, you will have more friends than you can manage. And we're going to talk about that next because I want to, I want to move to the next thing. I've, everything I've said so far is related to circumstantial friends. Circumstantial friends. Everybody just shows up. The, the stuff I've said to you is the person that you meet in, in line at Target or Walmart. I've got to give both credit here to both a little, little publicity, right? Or which, whichever you want to go to. But, it, but it's that person that you meet in the line at, at Walmart or Target, uh, the person that you meet at church that you don't know very well, everything I've said. But I'm gonna, I, I want to bring a different word instead of circumstantial, uh, circumstantial friends. I want us to talk about friends that you choose. And here's the second thing I want to say to you about friendship today. Choose friends who want the best for you. Choose friends who want the best for you. Now, let's, let's, uh, let's look at that, those survey results that we ask you to do. And thank you so much. That's really fun, isn't it? Thanks for participating in that. For you, here's the question that we ask. For you, what is the most important quality in a close friend? 36% of you said they are loyal no matter what. 3% said they are fun and entertaining. Man, that, you got some pretty good values out there. 11% says we have shared interest. 50% says we have shared values. Man, that is really good. So, so 86% are the two, in my opinion, would be the best reasons to choose close friends. So everything I've said so far applies to everybody, people you barely know, acquaintances, casual friends, even some enemies. <laughs> but you need some people in your life that you have chosen to be in your life. We call these close friends and core friends. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. See, everybody wasn't in Jesus' inner circle. Everybody wasn't his close friend. In fact, I'm going to throw up a graphic there for you that shows the different kinds of friends you have. The outer circle is your casual friends. The next circle is your close friends, and the inner circle is your core friends. Now, the, the circles get bigger, but it's actually less people in each one. You can have 
you can have hundreds of casual friends. You can have a good number of close friends. You can have, I don't know what the number is. It depends on your capacity. And you can probably have 100 close friends. But core friends, you probably can only have four or five people that you tell everything that you share your life with. You don't have the bandwidth for unlimited number of core friends. So choose wisely, right? Uh, don't let them be chosen for you. Choose wisely. Close friends should not be merely a result of circumstances. They should be a result of choice. You know, Jesus went and prayed all night before he chose the 12. Because it was a very important part of his life that these were the 12 people. And within those 12, there were three that were really close. And he actually built the church. I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. The power of friendship, Jesus built the church on 12 friends. He, he built the church. And which has lasted longer, the governments of man or Jesus and Christianity? The governments of men were not built on friendship. Alexander the Great, Charlemagne, bon Napoleon Bonaparte, those people did not build their lives around friendship. They built it around power and conquest. Jesus built his kingdom around love and relationship and friendship. And the Bible says of his kingdom there will be no end. I think I heard an amen right coming off the couch just now. <laughs> Jesus loved everybody. He fed the 5,000. He trained 120. He discipled 12. And he mentored three. I said something in our online prayer meeting. By the way, those online prayer meetings are so good. Man, I just should have done that a long time ago. But one of the things that came out of my mouth because everybody's sequestered now. We're spending more time with less people. And something that came out of my mouth at the end of the prayer meeting last uh, Friday morning was more time with less people creates greater kingdom impact. So just, just write that down and just think about it. I, I wasn't in my notes today. <laughs> so let, let me give you some attributes of core friends. I told you today's a little more of a teaching than a than preaching, so I won't yell this out. I'll just tell you. A core friend has to be somebody who rejoices when you succeed and cries when you fail. They don't become like Cain when you become like Abel. Remember that story, Cain and Abel? Abel offers the sacrifice, and all of heaven is applauding Abel's sacrifice. All of heaven says, whew, Abel, you got it right, man. High five to Abel. I, Abel, you, you, you did it. You were, you, you were anointed. You were wonderful. You were awesome. Cain got angry. That's not your core friend that's disappointed when you succeed. That's not your core friend who can secretly be a little contented when you fall on your face. No, your core friends are the people who rejoice when you rejoice and they weep when you weep. Jesus was ecstatic. Oh, and I wish I had time to give you the examples. Look them up for yourself. Jesus was ecstatic every time his disciples went and performed a miracle. Every time they, they came out with some incredible revelation, Jesus was turning somersaults. And you can read it in the scripture. It's just some amazing examples in the gospels of Jesus' visceral response when his disciples did well. 
Let me give you another thing about a core friend. A core friend has to be somebody who doesn't constantly interrupt your story to tell you their story. You know, you, know the, you know the conversation where you start to tell about a problem you're having and you get barely into it and you can tell they're thinking about their story. And, it's, and they can't wait till you get done telling about your doctor's appointment to tell you about their doctor's appointment. They can't wait till you get telling about, about the, the contract and sale that you made this week to tell about the, the five sales that they made this week. We had a guy one time in a social setting, I think we were playing volleyball, and every time, every time we would tell something and everybody would say something good, he would say, that ain't nothing. And he would tell us a story about his what happened to him that was better than what happened to the other guy. And finally, we just got sick of it. So every time he would open his mouth, we'd go, that ain't nothing. <laughs> if you got somebody in your life, it's always, that ain't nothing. Move on. That's not your core friend. Unless they're willing to change, that's not a person that's going to... We're supposed to build each other up. Build each other up is not just compliments, by the way. Building each other up is I want to help you and get excited about you going to the next level. Sometimes it might involve a rebuke, but you do it anyway, right? A core friend has to be available. A core friend has to be available. I've had, I, I, I could create a composite of some people that I've, I've been with it. You know, maybe I admired them. They kind of, they had a, a way bigger church than I did and I would go and, and I would, maybe I would speak at some, this would happen to me sometimes, I would speak at some workshop and they would hear me and they, oh, Phil, man, let, let's, hey, let's go, let's go hang out together. So we'd go hang out and then we would part ways. They would say to me, man, we got you and me, we got to stay connected. I would be so, I would get back on the plane and come home. I'm so excited, man. This guy's going to, he, he's going to tell me about all the secrets of building an incredible mega church. <laughs> and he would give me a cell phone number and I'd get home, I'd call it, ring, 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 no answer, go to voicemail. I'd call it again, vo voicemail. I found out he didn't really mean it. I found out he tells everybody that. He tells everybody, hey, dude, let's, let's be connected. He tells it, he's told a thousand people that this year. He can't possibly do it, right? Well, that's not a core friend. A core friend is somebody, they're not there constantly for you. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're always able to run right over. But it's a person you can get in touch with. It's a person who returns your calls, right? A, a core friend it comes in when everybody else walks out. That's a core friend. A core friend demands excellence from you. Now, that's the other side of this. A core friend won't tolerate your mediocrity, your lying, your laziness, and your subperformance. A core friend is going to confront you sometimes. A core friend is going to call you out sometimes. A core friend's not going to let you get by with immorality, not going to let you get by with being mediocre and, and pathetic and, and, and poor quality work. A core friend is going to have high standards for your life. Amen? Amen? A core friend needs to be somebody. This is really important. I don't think it's on the screen for you, so just listen, please. A core friend is somebody who insists on mutuality. Now, what do I mean by that? 
What I mean by that is everything I just said to you that they that 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 they that you want them to be to you, they will expect you to be that to them. That's what core friends are. Loyalty is not identical to stupidity. Loyalty must be negotiated. Amen? Now, don't pull the, push away the gift of potential core friends because anybody in that friendship circle could become a core friend, but don't settle for those who aren't willing to live up to your standards. Amen? Finally, I want us to close with this. Whatever you do, make a friend of Jesus. Psalms 25, 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Now, Jesus loves you. I don't care if you, you pay him no attention, if you never read his word, never go to church, never give a dime in an offering. Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. The Bible says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. But, Everybody's not a friend of Jesus. Don't assume you're a friend of Jesus. We sing what a friend we have in Jesus because Jesus is an anchor friend in our lives. Jesus is an anchor friend because there will truly be friendship deserts that you will go through in your life. You will go through friendship deserts. Everybody does. Look in the Bible. Joseph that I mentioned a while ago. Years and years, he was in a, a prison, falsely accused and went into a prison. David had to run from his life from Saul. One time, David's, the whole village was burned, and his, his men were, were, were talking about abandoning him. And the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He went through a friendship desert, but the Lord was his anchor friend. John the Revelator, maybe you're not read about him. If you're not a Bible reader, that's okay. But those of you who read the Bible, like, you know, he wrote this book called the book of Revelation. Did you know he wrote that book when he was at a friendship desert? He was on an island by himself. Throughout the Bible, Jesus himself went through a friendship desert. We all go through friendship deserts. There was a woman in the Bible named Leah who was married to Jacob, and Jacob never loved her. And she had a sister wife that was always antagonizing her. And Leah had several children with Jacob, even though he did not love her. And one day she had, a, she had a son named Judah. And Judah means, she said, I'm going to name him Judah because now I will praise the Lord. What Leah was saying was, I have an anchor friendship. I have finally discovered that to get through life, I need an anchor friend in the Lord. And that will get me through. The foundation of greatness for all of these people that I just mentioned grew up on the grounds of bone-crushing loneliness. We used to sing in times like these, we need a, an anchor. This is the core friend of the serious Christ follower. I realize, you know, that everyone loves the church when we show compassion, and you should. We need to show compassion. We're running a crisis center downtown during this time, and we just love being able to serve you. And that's good that you find that commendable. I find it commendable too, but let's get something straight. Our greatest deeds of compassion are not our greatest claim. Our greatest claim is Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I want to invite you today to a relationship with Jesus. 
and all that other friendship stuff that I told you, so important, but it will flow out of a security that you have found in Jesus. We say, how do I do that? How do I have a friendship with Jesus? Well, there's all kinds of formalities for having, establishing a, a, a committed relationship. The latest is you go on social media and you say, I'm in relationship with blank. For, you know, for many of you, it was standing at an altar in front of a pastor and you said, I do. For some of you, it's going on social media and saying, I'm in relationship. That means you and that person have had a conversation about being exclusively available to one another. That's what we're talking about when we say have a friendship, have a relationship with Jesus, that you have a talk with him today. I know it sounds too good to be true, but we're, we're, we're dealing with the supernatural. But just because it's, it's supernatural doesn't mean it's not true. In fact, it means it's more true that you have a conversation with Jesus. And in that conversation with Jesus, you agree to an exclusivity that you're going to have in one another's life. And you, you agree that you're in relationship. So you might even want to go on social media and say, me and Jesus in relationship. And when, let, me, let, me, let me close with this statement, and I want you to hear it loud and clear. When you are in, when you are secure in the love of Jesus, you are now ready to make other people secure with the love of Jesus. And you're ready to have and create powerful friendships. I'm going to ask Christy to come. Close us in prayer at this time. Thanks, Dad. Um, well, good morning, Bethany. I hope you guys are enjoying this time to um, where everything has kind of stopped. And I know that's not true for everybody. Some of you are working your normal hours, but for a vast majority of people in this country, our lives have kind of come to a halt. and. Um, in Mark, it, it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the desert. And I can't help but thinking this week that the Spirit is leading us to pause, to take time, and to put first things first in our lives. And we know, I know that when I put my friendship with Jesus as the primary source, as the number one thing in my life, that that is when I'm able to flow in his plan for my life. And that's when I'm able to um, experience the fruit of the spirit and what I'm doing. And so this morning, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, maybe it's your first time you've never accepted Jesus to be your savior. Maybe you've never made that decision, but you know that today is the day. Maybe you are a person that you have neglected that relationship and you haven't been pursuing him. Um, we're going to pray this together. And as we're in this season of um, things slowing down, things closing, you can't go into these busy places. You are maybe have been led by the spirit, led by the governor into some form of a desert. Let's be intentional about this time and find Jesus and put him in the proper place in our heart as our best friend, as our source, as our king. So as you're in your living room, maybe you want to stand, maybe you want to get down on your knees, um, and we're going to pray this together so you can repeat after me. 
Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need you. You are the one who created me and you died to save my sins. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And today, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I need you to be my best friend. I thank you that you loved me first. I commit the rest of my life to serving you and living life your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you made that commitment today, that is the best decision that you could ever make. And I can't say that strongly enough. There's no choice you could ever make that will be better for you, better for your life, better for eternity than choosing to follow Christ. Um, so if you made that choice, we want to know about it. If you recommitted your life to Jesus, we want to know about it. So on at bccma.org slash first steps, um, you're going to see... Uh, just tons of great information about what it is to be a Christ follower. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's actually a spot where you can email us um, and let us know, you know, uh, pastor and the staff here, we may not be able to meet with you here in this building, but we want to connect with you. So somebody would be glad to hop on a call with you, get on an email chain, um, even a Zoom call to make sure that you are getting what you need to move into your life of serving Christ and um, but And just let us know what's going on in your life. Um, there's also, if you um, look on the chat of this live stream, that, that link should be there. Uh, so thank you guys so much. God bless you. And we hope to see you throughout the week in our community group Zoom calls.